he moves and runs and looks like Daniil Hunter. If physically he checks out and you like him as a kid, I think he'd be an unbelievably good fit for this team. And, and I think he has it. He's just a football player. And that's what a lot of coaches look for. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the first safety taken off the board. Hey, Vikings fans. This is Chris Corso here with Vikings.com. It's episode 36 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm excited because it's Monday and that means it's draft week. Draft week, baby. That's right. I got Jay Nelson, producer of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, on Skype here. So I'm looking right into Jay's little living room, and and man, are we are we excited? Yeah, baby. This is uh, this is what we've been looking forward to for a while. Whenever you see the draft weekend formally hit, everyone's marking it on their calendars. Fans are always excited. This one is just unprecedented, regardless because of the times that we're in currently. And I think the numbers for this, for media coverage and for fan excitement, are going to be off the charts because we finally get some sort of a, a live sporting event going on. So this is going to be fun this weekend. So we were able to get with quarterback Kirk Cousins last week, and he said, you know, it's kind of funny. This is going to be the lowest produced uh, draft of all time and the highest viewed draft of all time. And that was one where I'm like, I think he's right about both those things. Yeah, you've got ex-players like Greenway and, you know, Lieber pays attention because of all of his college football work and everything. But you had Greenway and Jared Allen and some of these other guys always saying, I never watch the draft. I don't care about the draft. You know, it's more of when I was a player, who's going to show up in the door? Great time to work kind of a thing. And with this one, everybody's going to pay attention just purely out of what is the spectacle going to be? And again, live sporting something in order to scratch that itch. So it's going to be a fun one, and I'm really, really looking forward to this. So here we go. Get your popcorn ready. Get your face paint on. The draft will start on Thursday night. Here we go. Vikings general manager Rick Spielman will probably be in his basement, but that doesn't matter at all because the Vikings IT staff, the personnel staff, our good friend Luke Burson has been very involved in setting up the general manager's uh, draft room, so to say, from all these different remote locations. So I, I think the Vikings are just about as prepared as possible for when round one starts at 7 p.m. Central on Thursday night. It is not going to be in Vegas. It's not going to be the big, the big party that the NFL wanted it to be. But I think when it comes to ratings, I think it's going to be about as big as possible across NFL Network, ESPN, ABC, and man, it's the first time that the Vikings have two first-round picks since the first year that Mike Zimmer took over, Jay, in 2014. Yeah, man, and uh, it's 22 and 25. We all know where the second one came from with the Diggs trade. You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of talent out there, and, and there's been a lot of questions with this team in the offseason just with some of the subtractions that they've had at different positions. And so you've got some hot-button topics, and the nice thing is we've got some of our experts and, and friends with Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, and Ben Lieber on the show today in order to help us kind of talk about some of those players that might fill those gaps. And um, I think it's going to be a good one, so I'm glad everybody's tuning in, and hopefully we can get you up to speed on some of those names you might be hearing coming up this weekend. So we want to remind you to stay tuned to Vikings.com and all the Vikings platforms throughout the draft. I'll be tirelessly posting just about every video slash audio slash highlights slash articles to keep you up to date 
um, on Vikings.com and all of our platforms. We have a huge team that's going to be prepared to FaceTime with our draft picks. There will be five draft picks in the first 105 overall picks for the Minnesota Vikings if no trades are made, which we know that Rick Spielman is is always keeps us busy on draft night um, with trades. It might be a draft where you see a little less on the trade market just because of the situation that we're in. That was something that I saw an expert, Mark Dominic, who used to be the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he tweeted that out, and that really stuck with me. To get you guys prepared with this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, we have some experts, as you said, Jay, breaking down some of the key position groups that the Vikings are looking at. Ben Lieber is going to break down the secondary, the safeties, and the cornerbacks. Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, is going to break down the quarterbacks. Pete Bursich, color analyst and former Viking, is going to break down those tight ends. Uh, Pete Bursich is also going to jump on and start us off with the defensive line. So it's going to be a good one here. We're going to we're going to try and encapsulate as much as we can. And with all of the previous episodes that we have, we should have covered the majority of all of those positions that the Vikings are definitely going to be looking at this weekend coming up. So uh, it's going to be great. And, and we really appreciate all the time and effort that a lot of people have put into this one between our experts, uh, Ron Johnson, Pete Bursich, Ben Lieber, Paul Allen. And on top of that, the other producers in the background and the editors who've been working on these for the last month, it's been a lot of fun and it's been very interesting just to get all of their their insight of what they see on film. And at the end of the sucker, we're actually going to wrap it up with a little bit of look at what some of the NFL.com experts have been talking about too. So this is going to be a lot of fun and, and I think it's going to be great just to jump right in here and start this puppy off. So Chris, do you want to tee us up here? Absolutely. Before we start off with Pete Bursich and the defensive line. I just want to give the Vikings fans a few programming notes. Um, one is going to be that we will have a podcast at the end of each night of the NFL draft, recapping the picks, hearing from the general manager, hearing from Mike Zimmer. And the other thing I want to note is we're going to do one last episode before the draft after this one, and that will be the Vikings Entertainment Network has tracked down just about every local and national media member to say, what would Rick Spielman do? What would you do if you were Rick Spielman with pick number 22 and 25 and all of these local and national media experts um, gave their picks, gave their position groups, cornerback, wide receiver, quarterback, trade back, just about every single one. So after you get this background on this episode, go and listen to that episode to get a little bit of mock madness heading into Thursday night. So with that, let's go to color analyst Pete Bursich, who breaks down the defensive line players. Joining me today is former linebacker, current color analyst for the Vikings, Pete Bursich, and we are talking defensive line. And Pete, uh, given the departure of longtime organizational and fan favorite Everson Griffin, uh, this is a position group that there might be some real opportunity in 2020. You know, one of the things that you you look at is this with this franchise and with this defense is their ability to develop defensive linemen. Everson Griffin, a later round pick. You know, you you don't have a bunch of first round picks up and down this defensive line, so I think it gives them some flexibility you know, later on in the draft to pick up a defensive lineman who eventually, you know, fill that position. It's a position where we've seen all eight or nine guys that are on the roster contribute. So, yeah, you're going to get you're probably going to get defensive end by committee on that one side. Daniil Hunter is obviously going to be 
the you know the premier defensive end now whether or not he'll move maybe over to the right side and you need a new you know pass rusher from the left side which it does kind of matter because teams are more right-handed quarterbacks right-handed teams run the football more so your your right your left defensive end needs to be a little bit better against the run but i have confidence that the organization will find somebody and develop them and get them out on the outside so we'll see how this thing turns out well, and it's a strong defensive lineman class. And what we're doing here, we might not necessarily be giving you the five best linemen that are going to come out of this draft. We kind of sifted through to find the five guys that we thought were a good fit with this organization that you and with Mike Zimmer's defense that you could talk about. Uh, Pete, so I want you to kick it off with a guy that I know you love a lot, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Yeah, Javon Kinlaw is a freak and he's a he's a Jadavion clowny type of physical freak. I mean, right now, at least is a height weight at you know at the combine about six five, three fifteen. But when you see him on the hoof, he doesn't you you imagine in your head how big someone who's 315 pounds is gonna look. This guy is proportioned, you know, and he he is one of the strongest players that I've seen at the point of attack. I mean, he was homeless, he grew up homeless bounced around. Those kinds of guys have a tendency to not take things for granted. You know, the only thing on him that you've heard on the negative side is is just his motor. And by that, I mean, doesn't give it 100% on all, you know, on all the plays and has a tendency to, to, to fall away. But because in the NFL, you have to give 100% effort on every single play. But if this guy puts this thing all together, he is so strong. With the size and everything, he does remind me of Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams was was a, a massive man. He was just huge. Uh, I think Kevin ran a little bit better than uh, than this guy. But with his size and talent, it, it's going to be hard to see him last 15, 20 picks into this draft. Well, and if you see a guy like that, like you said, drafts break out in a bunch of different ways. And we have those two picks right in the 20s there. If he does slip there, it's, it's hard to... It's hard not to take a long look yeah. at a guy that size who's not like like you've inferred sloppy in the way he's put together. He's just an absolute monster. He uh, is. Let's move to Neville Gallimore, a guy. Uh, he came out of Oklahoma, but he is a native Canadian, uh, born in Ottawa, which you don't hear a lot in the NFL. But uh, this guy, another really big dude who moves well. Yeah, he's he's six foot two, three hundred two pounds. So another very very big guy. Uh, he opened up a lot of eyes at the combine when at 6'2", 300-plus, ran a 4'7", 40. So he can run. And the beauty of it is, is he uses it. He's the best, I think, sideline-to-sideline type run defender uh, that I've seen out of, all, of all this group. Great motor, good leverage, and he also has some decent pass rush moves inside you know, the question is, is, is can he move to a three technique type position and play over a guard and be able to dominate over a guard with defensive linemen work ethic means so much. And this kid has that, you know, he's going to take coaching. I think he's going, you know, he's going to want to get better, um, but an unbelievable talent could be, you know, he's been a nose tackle mainly in college, may be able to play some three technique, great burst. I mean, good speed. I mean, chasing down running backs and in the NFL now with so much of the outside type runs, uh, how many tackles have we seen Linval Joseph make, you know, 15 and 20 yards to the sideline? Because that's just how they try to do it. They try to string the defensive line out either way. And this kid can absolutely run 
and keep up with that. So I think, uh, you know, this kid would be another one that you would love to have on your roster, regardless of, of how you get him. Uh, he'd be a huge, huge asset to this defensive line group. You mentioned Limbaugh Joseph. He, not maybe in terms of size, but he's also got that. Uh, Pat Williams also had that thing where all of a sudden you'd see him just mow all the way down the line to the sideline and make a, a great run-stopping tackle. So I really like that about this dude. Let's head into uh, the Big Ten for a little bit. Let's go to Iowa with A.J. Epinesa. He's intriguing in that, you know, he had 25 and a half sacks in his career at Iowa. Um, so you have to, and he, you know, he played for three years in a row. So he was either, you know, a redshirt sophomore or sophomore. Um, and he's had multiple sacks every single year that he's, you know, been in Iowa a little, you know, six, six, two eighty. Um, so he has the size and frame and he's going to be even bigger and he's going to continue to get bigger. A little disappointing. He ran a five flat or five Oh four 40 at the combine. And when you watch him on film, he doesn't, he doesn't have that burst or doesn't have that speed on the outside. So he may be a guy that a team would look at at moving inside. Anyone who's watched this kid play knows his demeanor. And this is why you know, as a scout, you got to meet with coaches. You got to meet with the, you know, the secretaries at the football offices and talk to the trainers and talk to the weight coaches because he's very, very even keeled. And that's not that that's a bad thing, but he I just never saw the guy show any emotion. You know, you look at him and you're you're kind of wondering if he's even having a good time out there. And you ask that because if you're a coach, you want a guy in the room that's going to want to learn. He's going to be you know, he's going to he's going to have a desire to get better. There's just some question marks out there. Now, when we say all these things, does that mean that you wouldn't want to take him in the second round or in the third round? Or if you had an opportunity, you wouldn't want this guy. I'm not saying he's a red flag or a checkmark type guy. I'm just saying of this group, I think he has the least amount of upside uh, compared to the others. I, I hear what you're saying about demeanor, but I, I will point out a guy we've already talked about. Kevin Williams wasn't necessarily a bastion of shouting. And I remember sitting down at the combine and asking him, you know, you get in those rooms, you have 10 guys in there and, he, you know, the, the player sits in the chair and, you know, they, and Scott Studwell asked him, so what do you, you know, what do you do in your spare time? You know, what do you like to do? Kevin just kind of fishing. So, you can't, you, out. right. But that's the thing. You can't let that country fool you. If you look at Daniil Hunter, you look at Everson Griffin, you know, you look at these guys, they play with a lot of passion, a high motor right there. Go, 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 go. I don't know if this guy fits, you know, fits that mold that you're looking for. I don't think he's going to, he's, he has the quickness or the speed to be a dominant outside pass rusher in the NFL, but I think he's going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of work uh, to do to get him to be, you know, kind of a day one type starter or contributor. Well, let's go from Iowa to Penn State with a uniquely named <laughs> giant, another another big, tall defensive end, Yitor Grossmatos. Not only just an interesting name, but a pretty amazing story. His his father drowned when he was two years old, when uh, Yitor fell in the water. His dad jumped in to save him, got him out, and then drowned right afterward. And then... Just a few years down the road, his older brother, his older brother was 12 at the time, but he was struck by lightning while on a baseball field. So this young man has been through quite a bit. And for him to have gone through all these things and continue to play and play at a high level like at Penn State, um, it shows a lot of resiliency. 
And, you, you know, you love that about kids, about guys who make the choice to continue on and not look back because those are a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons for him to have, uh, you know, gone astray. And he hasn't. Good player. You know, he had, you know, you take a look at his numbers at 6'5", 264. So he's long. They like, you know, we like that here. I do think he's a very, very raw pass rusher, though, meaning his technique and those kinds of things. He has a lot of room. You look at a kid like this, you think of you think of maybe a Daniil Hunter down the road, you know, meaning that if you get bring this kid in, it might take him a few years to take him some time and some development. Uh, But, you know, good speed. You got, you know, you can't coach big, can't coach a guy taller and bigger, really. Uh, And it's hard to coach speed, but um, it's going to be hard to outrun him sideline to sideline. Speaking of a guy who's a little bit of raw, but has a ton of upside and a guy that could be available for us late in the first round, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Yeah, you're you're right. He's a guy 6'5", 262. He moves and runs and looks like Daniil Hunter with the long legs. Um, he's explosive on the pass rush. He can move great speed, great burst, meaning, and you know, he can turn that speed on. He's another guy, though, who's raw. He only played, I think, 23 or 22 games in college. Um, in his in his history, there's some check marks, some things that you'd want to want to verify. Um, he had a, he missed a lot of I think 2018 it was with an ACL tear. So obviously the doctors and those things are around, you know those guys are going to look at that knee and see make sure it's not degenerative. Another thing that's interesting is when he was younger, he just uh, a few years back he just changed his name and never really gave a reason why. And so those are the kinds of things that make you scratch your head because think of, if you're a franchise and you're going to draft this guy in the first round and give him millions of dollars, what you know what's he going to do? What's going to happen to him? And so. Just those kinds of questions that I think that you'd want to figure out. He's very, very quick off the ball. And by that, I mean, when the ball snapped, he moves. Um, That's something that's very hard to teach. And he has that. And in the NFL, you have to use that. We've seen Everson Griffin, you know, jump off sides many times. But that's what defensive, you know, it's kind of what they do. Um, They're timing things. They're trying to get just a couple inches on that offensive tackle. If physically he checks out and mentally and you like him as a kid, I think he'd be an unbelievably good fit for this team. Well, let me double down on it for you. I mean, anytime you have a defensive end that's very capable of dropping into pass coverage like the guys we've had here, I mean, that just speaks to the sort of athlete the guy is. So this, this is a great list, Pete. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Pete Bursich of the Vikings Radio Network for breaking down those defensive line prospects. That's a position group that we know the Vikings are very interested in year after year, whether it's the three-technique position where I could see us going with a pass rusher or maybe someone on the outside as well to fill that spot that Everson Griffin leaves on the other side of Daniil Hunter. So thanks again to Pete. Now let's go to Ben at another hot topic position where the Vikings lost players in free agency, and that's the secondary. Hey, Viking fans, Cy Amundsen here with another 2020 NFL Draft Profile Breakdown. Joining us, Ben Lieber from Vikings Entertainment Network. And Ben, we have finally come to the position that I have been waiting for. I mean, I'm excited about all this, but let's talk defensive backs. Because fans have seen a number of them leave the team, and I think everybody's wondering, 
where are we going to go? So let's get into some of the guys that are uh, that are at the top of our need list. Yeah, I think uh, as everybody sort of looks at the draft at 22 and 25, if you just look at the simplicity of what this team needs, it's offensive line and it's defensive backs. And most importantly, it's going to be quarterbacks. So, yeah, man, I'm excited because I think there's some really good corners in this in this draft and we're in a good position to get one of these top quality corners that I think can, can start right away. Uh, we can talk about safeties, too, because there's still some... I think indecision and there's a little bit of uh, you know, a movement maybe that can happen with the safety position currently. Let's start there because you hit yeah. it on the head. Anthony Harris, uh, we don't exactly know which direction that's going to go. Tell me about a couple of the young guys in the safety class. Well, I, I think everybody's really high on Grant Delpit right now from LSU, um, and rightfully so. The, the guy's, you know, he's he's a former All-American, uh, Jim Thorpe Award winner, is the best defensive back in the country, and he and he has so much position flexibility. I think that's the one thing that that really shows out when you watch his tape. You know, he can blitz a little bit on the outside. Um, I don't think he's terribly effective at that, but he can at least be a bigger body that can blitz. He can play in the box. He shows uh, this ability to be the deep center fielder. Um, and he's just really, really good at understanding spatial awareness, route recognition, puts his body in a good position sometimes just to close off windows. Now, I, I think that he could be better about baiting the quarterback in some of those situations. Like, he knows where he's supposed to be. He knows where the routes are, and he'll take it away. But once he gets properly coached and is savvy enough, he can sort of poach in different areas, knowing where he's got to be and knowing what the route is just to pick off some passes and, and make the quarterback uh, make some stupid throws. But uh, he shows a lot that you like. Given that exact thing, like we have the defensive back teacher in Mike Zimmer here. And one of the things you pointed out when and I went and watched the video is his body positioning in any sort of coverage. I mean, that he almost has to be. I don't want to be dramatic, but one of the higher ceiling guys, given those two factors. He he sort of covers a lot of space because he's a bigger body. He's six foot two, about 215 pounds. He's got all the ideal height and weight that you're looking for. He looks long. He looks like he covers a lot of ground. And I think from a quarterback's perspective, as he's looking down the field, that's kind of a bigger body and athletic body in the back end of the defense that you always got to be aware of. And so you're you can always see him. And and I think even this that flash of color sometimes can throw the quarterback off. And he's got sort of everything you're looking for and I think that he can fit into this modern NFL where if he has to be down in the box sometimes he can be that kind of bigger bigger strong safety feel you know smaller linebacker look how about let's move to uh, another guy that you identified from the safety position Ashton Davis out of yeah. California yeah I've had an opportunity to, to call a couple Cal games and he for sure is a guy that when you're watching the tape during the course of the week like all right this guy can play like this this number 27 can flash something here and and he's a kickoff returner he's a punt returner uh, he originally came to, to Cal Berkeley on a track scholarship. So he's got fantastic track speed. And you can see that in his game. Like, I think he's better in, in long runs, you know, as a deep center fielder where it's Delpit maybe can be in the box a little bit more. I think Ashton Davis is a guy that can be more of a center field, true center field guy that on a long run can really close some grounds. You know, as far as him being like an inbox guy, I don't think that he has the greatest athletic movements in a short area, not the best feet, not the most fluid hips, but he's going to come down. He's going to hit you. Uh, he's a really good tackler for really just kind of learning the game from a, from a track perspective. A lot of potential with this guy. I think the only, the only red flag is he's had some injuries in college. Well, the one other thing I saw people say about him is he misses a lot of tackles because he'll go for those big hits. But given his inexperience, if you have the right teacher, I mean, 
that might not end up being a terrible thing. If you can fix that little thing and he's just a heat-seeking missile. Yeah. He's a little bit like Andrew Sandejo, where he's going to miss some tackles, but he's going to light somebody up too. He runs with a little bit more speed. So think about Sandejo and some of the big hits, but just on a bigger body and a little bit more explosion. And so I can see why people kind of like physicality. You know, that's going to stick in your brain when you see a physical player. Absolutely. Well, let's shift from safeties to corners because that's what everybody's really talking about. You have three of your top four guys are gone. You have all these picks in the first three rounds. Uh, I think the first name you threw our way is a little bit of a familiar one in terms of family. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I looked at Trayvon Diggs, uh, Stefan's brother, as as a potential when I'm looking at possible picks and the possible prospects that are going to be at 22 and 25. Obviously, the, the top guys, the, the C.J. Hendersons, the Jeffrey Okuda, those guys aren't going to be there. So who is going to be there? And I think the likelihood of getting Trayvon is pretty slim, given that um, his brother just got traded away. And um, and maybe it just wouldn't be best to bring in his brother into this situation. But I still I still like a lot of stuff about him. He probably, of the, of the cornerbacks that I looked at, I think sort of like Delpit has the highest ceiling because of his size and really his inexperience. Just like his brother, he's a former wide receiver, turned into a cornerback, had a broken foot, didn't play in half of the season. And and all of a sudden now you look at just his two-year resume, it's not a lot of starts, but he's highly productive. So I think it's, wow, we've got a young player here that's just learning how to play cornerback, making a ton of plays at Alabama, and he's just still pretty raw. Well, let's go from a guy who's a bit raw to a guy who's anything but that. Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I mean, this is a guy who's been playing since his true freshman year, right? Yeah, playing his true freshman year and, um, you know, about six foot, about 200 pounds. So he's he's a stocky build, uh, not super fast, about a four, five, six. But I, I think I like about him his his aggressiveness, you know, kind of like when I talked about Ashton Davis, it's his physicality that stands uh, out on tape that – if he's coming off a block from a wide receiver, is he? If he's fitting up in the run game, if he's jamming somebody at the at the line of scrimmage, he's physical. He's physical throughout his game. And in some ways, when you read some news stories on him, they've had to work with him to kind of keep his temper down a little bit. Like he plays with so much aggression that, as a corner, yeah, you need a you need a sense of urgency, but you can't let plays and the negative plays and physical plays sometimes affect the next play. And I think really that's kind of his biggest thing. He's just he's got to play within himself. But I, I love his short area quickness. I like his footwork. I like his hands. Um, he's just not super tall. He's not super fast. I see him more as a, as kind of a true nickel type guy than an outside corner. Last guy on your list is uh, Bryce Hall, a kid out of Virginia. And I I don't want to speak for you, but one of the things when I looked at him that I know you had to be thinking, given Zim's pension for blitzing from the corner, this dude has that ability. Oh, yeah, he has that ability. Again, kind of like Arnett has been playing since his true freshman year, a lot of snaps under his belt. And the other thing is a lot of these college corners will just stick to one side. Either you're just a left corner or a boundary corner or a field corner. However they want to designate it, they stick to one side. But with Bryce Hall, he can play both. He'll, he'll flip-flop. Uh, you know, Virginia kind of used him as a true shutdown type of corner. So whatever the star receiver was, he was going to follow that guy all around the field. And so he's very comfortable traveling left to right and right to left. Uh, he does blitz really well with effectiveness. He he has that same thing as Arnett with just that 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 kind of bravado, and he and he carries himself really well. And 
and as much as I think he has a little bit of physical limitations with his with his overall speed, somehow, some way, he's always there to make a play. He's just he's just he's so sticky in coverage. He's going to stay on the receivers no matter where they are, and it may not look pretty, but at the end of the day, he's knocking down passes and he and he's making difference making plays. I'd love to see what would happen if Zim could get his hands on a guy who's already prepared to be, because that's what you want. When you draft yeah. a first-round corner, you want a guy that's going to chase the star receivers all over the field. Well, especially in this climate that we're in where we're probably not going to have an OTA and a minicamp. And though, so we're going to have a draft uh, in a few days, and all of a sudden these guys are going to have no time with their coaches, no time with their new teams. They can't get up to NFL speed. And they're and the most likely is going to get thrown right into to training camp and then a few weeks later be expected to make plays in a real NFL football game. So you want the guys that are most polished and they can step on the field right away. Before I get you out of here, I got to ask you, one of my favorite players of all time has a son. He is a defensive back. All Viking fans are talking about him. Talk about Antoine Winfield Jr. a little bit. You know, he's just a stud. I think I think when you the the nice thing about the draft from the from the end of the football season till now is we have all this time. And and sometimes for guys like this, it takes that amount of time, which can seem like an eternity in the football world. You need those months to sort of watch the tape. You know, he didn't come from a blue blood university, you know. Yes, he carries a name, but he's instinctful like his dad. You know, all of his plays were coming off of coverage. All of his plays were using his, his tremendous vision, his his football IQ, some of the things that sometimes you just can't coach. And and I think he has it. He's just a football player, and that's what a lot of coaches look for. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the first, uh, first safety taken off the board. I love it. Ben, uh, you crushed every single one of these. Thank you so much for doing them. And uh, we'll see you draft night. It's my pleasure, man. Yes. We are, dude, we are so close. All this buildup, we are so close, man. It's going to be fun. Thanks again to Ben Lieber for all his research. He's done such a good job just breaking down a ton of different position groups. We, we love the analysis that Ben brings for the Vikings Entertainment Network. So thank you, Ben. And with that, we go to probably the most energetic of the crew, and that's the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. You always want to take a quarterback in the draft each year. That that's pretty much a statement that that many general managers will tell you. Paul Allen breaks down the quarterbacks in this 2020 NFL draft class. We are breaking down quarterbacks today and to help us, the one, the only voice of the Minnesota Vikings. We are joined by Mr. Paul Allen. Hello, Paul. What's going on, big boy? Excited for that draft, are you? I can't. I absolutely can't wait. I've been getting to do all these previews and I from you guys learning who I should be excited about. And I know, Paul, I know this one's a strange one because we just gave Cousins a big extension. We've got a good backup. But, you know, Spielman's the sort of guy who takes value when he finds value in the draft. He's always just drafted good players. So it's not outside the realm of possibility we could wind up with a quarterback yeah man you know i'm glad you pointed to sean mannion because like doing nine to noon on kfan and and they signed sean mannion you know most people are like ah but i'll come back quickly and say well let's not forget kirk had the best season of his career last year sean mannion was jared goff's backup when the la rams went to the super bowl so when you know what your role is and that is to amplify the starter. And Sean is incredibly smart. Uh, he did a great job, and I'm really, really happy he's back. 
Yeah, me too. You sent me a list of guys that you've really been vibing with as we approach the drafts, and I want you to tell me why uh, why people should be excited about them. Well, uh, there's a series of quarterbacks here, and there are a fair amount of quarterbacks in this draft, per the way I assume Gary Kubiak is going to run the offense, and predicated on knowing, knock on wood, when we get there, Cousins doesn't miss games. Now, Jake Browning is also under contract, and I'm a fan of Jake not only improving because he knows the system, but just Jake the guy is fantastic. So whichever person uh, on which they move, if they do, that person has to compete with Jake Browning. I would begin with Jordan Love. Now, Jordan Love is a quarterback from Utah State. When you think Utah State, you know, you immediately need to consider the level of competition or lack thereof. So with Jordan Love, when I watch his plays, specifically, Cy, the way he runs play action and the run and the run pass option reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick. And, and they're both about the same height. Um, he's very, very fluid running the play action and the run pass option. His deep ball is fantastic. Now, with Jordan, you know, and again, I'm watching highlights. I'm not breaking down the all 22. It seems a fair amount of the time he will hone in on one guy picking on a member of an adversarial secondary who's overmatched. And that happens a lot in college football. So I'm not saying he's strictly a one-read guy, but I saw a lot of that, and he's very good at finding that guy. Now, with Jordan Love in playing at Utah State, um, over the last two years against ranked teams like Boise State, when they were ranked, stuff like that, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. So he wasn't absolutely at his best in those games. His arm talent is fantastic. I think he's a wild card in this draft because of his deep game and how well he moves. Well, I think you hit it on the head because everything you read about the guy is he's the most polarizing quarterback maybe in the draft. He's got this unbelievable arm talent, but you never know where it's going to land on the field. Uh, Let's talk about a guy that has a little bit more of a pedigree, Jake Fromm out of Georgia. Yeah. Now, Jake playing in the SEC obviously went against the stiffest of competition all of his run with the Bulldogs. When I watch Jake, Um, I see a player who looks the part. He's very, very much in control of games. Conversely, compared to Jordan Love, in my opinion, not speaking for the team, certainly not trying to pretend like I'm a GM, but I think his his deep game leaves a little something to be desired. And and it just it just doesn't stick in there like a Kirk Cousins deep pass does. You know, you, you also need to consider with Jake and some of these numbers he put up. He was protected by two offensive tackles who both could go in round one of this draft. The left tackle is going to go in round one. And Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle, 6'7", phenomenal. He could. Maybe he'll go rounds two or three. But, you know, with Jake against ranked competition, specifically LSU and Alabama, Cy, in the SEC title game 2018, three touchdowns, zero picks against Alabama, and some really, really good players on defense. Holy cow, did he look good in that game. So with Jake, he just looks polished like a guy who belongs in the NFL. 
Now, those two guys might not be the top of the draft, but they're getting talked about a lot. Do you have a sleeper for us? I don't exactly know how much of a wild card he is. He's going to get drafted. His name is James Morgan, Florida International University. Uh, my radio show producer, Nordo, 9 to noon, KFAN, home of the Vikings, he actually put me on this guy two and a half weeks ago, put some time into him. 6'4", massive hands. Uh, his hands are nearly 10 inches deep game terrific but uh in chatting with somebody who's close to the fiu program and knows you know smaller school football better than me uh from what i understand james is very very smart and absorbing a a national football league system should not be a problem born leader from what i was told and uh james morgan is going to get drafted he's going to make a team in 2020 we'll see which team it is but uh, he might be sneaky good I love it, Paul. Uh, thank you so much. You're the best of the best. And I know this is right in your wheelhouse, buddy. I got you, bud. Thanks, I Go Vikes. Thanks to quarterback expert Paul Allen. He's watched quite a few over the years calling games for the Minnesota Vikings. He knows what he's talking about. And I know that Kirk Cousins gets that contract extension. But as we said, you always want to have um, a quality backup um, behind us, Sean Mannion, and quality players at the most important position in all of football. And before we go on these position breakdowns, we got to go back to Pete Bursich, who had a little fun with this one. This is the tight end group, and we know the Vikings are pretty set at tight end. They drafted Irv Smith Jr. in the second round last year. But let's see what Pete Bursich had to say about this year's tight ends. We are joined once again by Pete Bursich, former linebacker, current color analyst. And Pete, today we're talking tight ends. And I know a lot of Viking fans might not have tight ends in their minds as we go into this draft. But Rick Spielman has always done a great job of taking the best players available throughout the draft that he thinks will help this team. So it's not unreasonable given the departure of David Morgan, that the Vikings would look for a, a tight end at some point throughout this. Kirk Cousins may not want another tight end, but Dalvin Cook may want one of these tight ends. Having a tight end that can hold up in the running game and block a defensive end is hugely important. We saw that for years with Jim Saucer. when you have a guy like that. You take a look at the group that we were that we're looking at. Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic, I think, is the best overall tight end in this group, 65 receptions, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, 6'2", about 250, 240. Uh, runs decent, runs about a 4'7", but great run after the catch. You very rarely see this kid be brought to the ground by the first guy who hits him. So I think uh, overall, from a versatility standpoint, they, had, they did put him in as an H-back. So that's kind of like what Morgan would do. He'd line up sort of like a fullback sometimes, kind of on the edge of the line of scrimmage. So this kid, this Harrison Bryant, has that ability as well. And when he does block, he gets after it. He drives his legs. He's not just kind of position blocking and getting in the way. He's trying to move somebody. So uh, Harrison Bryant, I think, would be a great addition now. Will he be around at a you know a time when we could get him? You know, We'll see. Hunter Bryant, tight end out of Washington. Good, solid receiving tight end. But he's kind of a poor man's Irv Smith Jr., right? We already... We kind of already have that guy. We have him, and then we have you know Rudolph in the red zone. So I don't think Hunter Bryant brings anything else 
uh, that this team doesn't already have. And then there's Thaddeus Moss from LSU. You know, we all love the Moss name and we remember what Randy did. You know, Thaddeus played a lot of kind of a big wide receiver position. He does work his rear end off and he's not afraid to stick his nose in there because tight ends, you know, there's a group of tight ends who think, hey, I get paid to catch the ball and I get paid to score touchdowns. I don't get paid to hit defensive ends and play fullback. So they don't like it. Uh, but that, you know, Thaddeus will stick his nose in there. He's not afraid to, you know, good hands and those kinds of things. But again, I think that's between what we already have. Well, you know, we have that space pretty much full. The next two guys, though, are intriguing. The first one's Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Big guy, 6'4", 250, decent speed at 4'7", good hands, good run after the catch. He's not unbelievable, but he's solid. The thing with him, though, is with his frame, you can still put some weight on him and be a run blocker. I didn't get a chance to see too much film on him as a pure tight end run blocking, uh, but if if that is his forte. Now you've got someone with some versatility. Now you get a guy that can line up, hold up, because let's face it, anyone who plays that other tight end position is going to do is going to block. Yeah, you're going to get the screen every once in a while. You're going to get a bootleg maybe to you. You're kind of a keep them honest type play. But Cole Komet, I think, would, would fill that role. The guy that I find intriguing is, is Adam Troutman from Dayton, meaning that he might be there later on in the draft, you know, the fifth, the sixth rounds. Uh, down there. He's a 6'5", 253-pound guy, ran, runs about a 4'8", but he just has good hands, good red zone target, but he's big and he's solid. And I think a guy like that, if he, again, he wants to block, can move a pile. And I think that's what we need. And I think Dalvin Cook understands and knows that the running game, it, it really helps when you have a tight end that could either seal an edge or cut off an edge and take care of these defensive linemen that we see out there. So a good blocking tight end is an, is is something that is going to give another facet to this offense. Is it everything about this offense? No, but it, it gives you the potential, for, like I said, for the bootlegs, for the outside runs, for a lot of different things. And um, I think we, you know, that's how we've missed Morgan. And a guy like you know Adam Troutman could absolutely, I think, fill that role. Well, and as you see, Pete, the offenses in the NFL continue to evolve and you see these prospects coming out that can do so many different things from the wide receiver, running back or tight end position. Uh, you know, that that's what's really intriguing about a guy like Troutman, because you're right, he's got that big body, could block, but he has the sort of hands that he could be a little bit of David Morgan and he could be a little bit of Kyle Rudolph and he could fill, you know, a, a bunch of different needs if he ends up being a, a good prospect down the line. No, ab- you know, absolutely. And so you just want to complement that group. Kyle Rudolph's the red zone guy. You got Irv Smith Jr. He's the receiving tight, tight end. He'll block and do some of those things. But then you have this big body, almost another offensive tackle. He's not much smaller than some of these off- offensive linemen that we have. But you love to have that kind of size on the edge of that offense and that offensive line. Um, and it's going to give it's going to give defenses some issues. Yeah, six five two fifty three is a big dude. Uh, Pete, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. That'll do it for our positional breakdowns this year. What a great job we did with this as the Vikings Entertainment Network. Cy Amundsen had a big hand in this. Jay, you you were there for all of the recordings and the production. So give your thank yous out to to this crew 
that really put together a, a great draft breakdown from each position for 2020. The time, the generosity, and, and the amount of effort put in by guys like Pete Bursich, Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, and Ron Johnson was was critical. And, and it was great to have Cy work with all of them as well, just to kind of be able to help at least educate the fans a little bit in some of these positions and some of these players that not everybody has the chance to, to watch all the college games that a lot of these guys do and everyone has their own niche with this stuff. So it, it's a lot of fun for these guys to, to help participate and, and to look at some of this as well. And, you know, when it comes to people like us involved with football, we're, our eyes are, are paying attention to a lot of this stuff a little bit more. But I can't tell you how many times I'll get a phone call from a friend or something or a text saying, what do you know about this guy? People are trying to get up to speed. And I think more than ever this year, we're definitely seeing a lot more interest in, in people wanting to pay attention to something like the draft. So with the Vikings having as, as much of the offseason turnover and changes that have happened, I think there's a lot of interest in this local market and even nationally on what's going to happen with this team. So it's been pretty great. And one of the best parts then for us is this is what we think about and some of our people think about internally. Now we get to actually focus on the national side and see if there's any kind of crossover here. So, you know, one of the things we went diving for was what NFL.com experts and their mock draft analysis has been. And let's see if there's any kind of crossover here, Chris. So hot button issues like we talked about cornerback secondary D line and receiver positions. There's a lot of, of experts who are focusing on this for the Vikings first two picks at 22 and 25. Absolutely. I don't remember a year where you can, where you can pick out probably five or six different positions. So that's why these mock drafts and, and, and all these, this coverage for the Vikings entertainment network has been so fun. Um, so for this segment, we pulled out NFL.com and what these experts would do with the Minnesota Vikings, if with these picks, I mean, it's it's crazy. You you have the cornerback and secondary selections. That was the highest one. Um, Christian Fulton out of LSU, which which is a big big time name. If you watch the national championship, Bucky Brooks and Maurice Jones-Drew have us going with him. Um, I'm I was very impressed watching him at LSU, especially in some of those big games at the end of the season. Jalen Johnson is a name that we've heard a lot from Daniel Jeremiah out of Utah. Um, Daniel Jeremiah just had his conference call with the media this past week going through all of his top 50 prospects. He puts Jalen Johnson up there with any of these cornerbacks. Um, a smaller school type of guy at Utah. He's definitely an athletic player that, that I could see making an impact for the Vikings. The next player is Xavier McKinney out of the University of Alabama. That's who Charles Davis has us taking. Uh, you can't go wrong at safety with one of the players on one of the best defenses, pass defenses, in college football last season. Um, and to round out the cornerbacks, Trayvon Diggs at Alabama. That's who Charlie Casterly has us taking. That would be something, Jay, if we got Stephon Diggs' brother to come play <laughs> over on, on the defensive side of the ball. And I've heard some people, you know, point out the fact of the way things had ended with Stefan and, and we all know what happened. Um, but at the same point, I mean, when you look at something like that, you're looking at talent, right? And, and you can't necessarily let one situation influence your other situation. Again, yes, there might be some awkwardness or something to start there, but it's at least a name that's out there. And you have to look at him. If, if, if we are as committed as we usually are to getting the top talent at the best position, then, you know, there's definitely a chance that his name would be on the list at that point. So I just think it's interesting to me, you know, Charlie Casserly, I know Charlie's been around forever. We've talked about him forever. Um, it's interesting to me for to see him put out digs and you just kind of wonder at times, is this purely just for a talker? 
or is this legitimately what he feels? And if it's legitimately what he feels, then, you know, it's because of the talent level, not necessarily his brother's situation. And the next position group is defensive line. There was only one player um, by three different experts that was selected here by the Vikings, and that's Yeter Gross Matos out of Penn State, an edge rusher. Chad Reuter, uh, Charlie Casserly, and Maurice Jones-Drew had us taking them, uh, taking him with one of the selections. So uh, definitely a player that I'm not completely familiar with. We'll have to go look up his tape. But, um, again, one of the top rush defenses in all of college football last year. Uh, he, he had to play a big part in that, being on the edge uh, for Penn State. Yeah, and as Pete Bursich, you know, pointed out in his film breakdown, he's definitely got some good lean to him. So it sounds like he would definitely be somebody that that if you could take somebody like him with a similar body build as Daniil and have two guys like that on those edges, those two guys together could definitely do some damage. So if the Vikings do get a chance to pick somebody like him, I think it's going to be it's going to pay off in spades because it's going to be great. Last position is the flashy position that we all want to hear. And that is wide receiver, which if the Vikings go wide receiver in the first round, I can't say that I will not be very happy. <laughs> That's just it. It's, it's between Ron Johnson and all of his analysis that he did. And then all of the discussion that you've heard across the board. This is the deepest position in this draft in years. And one of the discussion points has been you can still get value in rounds two through five with this position and so to potentially take somebody in the first round it's definitely you know an option and some of these names are 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 massive names but it will be interesting to see if the vikings do prioritize some of these guys as a first round pick knowing how deep it is so chris there's two names that were on this list you want to break them down just a little bit absolutely these are two guys that i know very well and if you were watching the national championship these two guys, their names were all over the place. So, And that's a player out of LSU named Justin Jefferson, which three experts have us taken him with one of our first two picks. I mean, he was just about Joe Burrow's best target throughout the entire season where Joe Burrow had the best season in college football history as a quarterback. I think this guy had a lot to do with it. Um, he's a bigger body wide receiver. He can do a lot of things because he's also quick. And I really like what Justin Jefferson brings, not only as a as a deep threat, um, but I think he could pretty much do it all. And and I, I like these bigger body wide receivers and how they play in the NFL. I think he would pair very nicely compa- uh, with Adam Thielen because Diggs was kind of he was a deep threat, but he wasn't he wasn't as big um, as the player that that we wanted Laquan Treadwell to be. Um, so Justin Jefferson would fit in pretty well, and, and he, he wears those colors well as well, but that purple and yellow, Jay. Absolutely. And, and you know, someone like him definitely is dynamic. And, and the next guy on this list as well is Ron Johnson's guy that he picked. I love this guy. That for the exact same reason as Justin Jefferson, which is he's a playmaker. He can be a deep threat. He can go downfield and go get a 50-50 ball. It's T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. And Daniel Jeremiah had him as one of our selections as well. So these two guys are definitely playmakers. And if they can fall to a position where we have at the 22nd or 25th pick, you will definitely see the Vikings have to take a long, hard look at these guys as well as everybody else that Ron had broken down. And uh, it's going to be fun. It really is. This whole thing is such a wild card for us this year. Having those two positions is such a huge, huge deal. 
And I think it's it's going to be crazy to see if any of these experts or our people are right, given all of the information that's out there. So I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Thursday night to start and just to see what shakes out for the entire weekend. And Adam Kaplan, we had him as a guest last week. And the thing he said was, you know, Vikings fans, you just got to remember when you go through free agency, it's not Rick Spielman's uh, met- methodology to create his team in free agency. He creates his team in the draft. And if you know what's gone on with this Vikings team in years past, having a Harrison Smith, having a Daniil Hunter, all these superstars, Eric Kendricks, who was an all-pro last year, he's drafted all of these players and, and just they've, they've come together for so long. If it's like that 2015 draft class where we had Eric Kendricks come in and play, uh, we had Stefan Diggs be, be a great player for us. That There were so many picks in that draft class that were able to really get in there and, and be key contributors. I think this draft is going to be a little similar, having five picks in the top 105, which I'm going to keep saying that because I'm very excited for it. So um, that'll do it for our NFL.com picks at number 22 and 25. Um, We're going to wrap up this show because you got a lot of information from all these different position groups. Thanks again to Jay for putting it together. The TV broadcast will begin at 7 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, 6 p.m. on Friday, and it's an early one on Saturday at 11 a.m. I'm always watching those late picks, so so stay tuned all weekend. It's going to be fun. K-Fan's going to have their live breakdowns happening all, all weekend long. Um, Vikings.com is going to have a lot of digital content, whether it's a virtual happy hour um, that's going to go on on Friday. Social media is going to be wall to wall for the Vikings. And and I, I'm going to throw it to you, Jay. Do you have any final thoughts heading into this, this unprecedented draft? All I know for you, Chris, is you better have a pot of coffee ready for this weekend and just be mainlining that stuff into your veins because you're going to be a very, very busy boy, but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I think we all understand what's happening right now, and I think it's going to be a fun, welcome distraction and um, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun to share it, not only with our group internally and all the work that we've done, but with the fans as well. So we really appreciate everybody sticking around, having some fun with this thing. And, and Chris, you better start making your coffee and you better start making your popcorn. So let's make uh, this thing happen. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're all looking forward to seeing a live sporting event. Uh, we're excited for Thursday. Thanks again, Jay. Thanks to you, Vikings fans, for for listening to all this coverage of the NFL Draft. As I said, we'll have one more episode breaking down exactly what these experts think that we're going to do at picks number 22 and 25. But until then, we'll see you next time. Be safe.